Welcome to Rental Equip Talk Radio with your host, Donald Charbonnet. This is the radio program designed for industry insiders, as well as anyone interested in getting into the rental equipment industry. Now, here is Donald Charbonnet. Welcome to Rental Equip Talk Radio. I'm your host, Donald Charbonnet, broadcasting live from New Orleans. Apologies for the technical difficulties and getting started a few minutes late. Uh, thanks to Jeannie for being a sponsor. If you buy an aerial, buy blue. Again, this week, this week, a big thank you to all the listeners we've had. Tell your friends and associates, remember that November is Men's Health Awareness Month. If you haven't scheduled your checkup, get to it. It saved my life. Uh, please let me know if there's a certain guest or subject you'd like to have on the show, and I'll do my best to get them. Uh, like today, we have some good ones coming up in the weeks to come. Remember, we're not here to report the news, just to let you react to the news. Here's your chance today. I have a very special guest on today. Um, Mr. James Waite is an equipment industry attorney with over 25 years of experience in buying, selling, leasing, and financing equipment and equipment dealerships. He wrote the American Rental Association's book on rental contracts and represents equipment companies throughout North America. He currently serves as CEO of ReRentals.com and previously served as CEO of airline services company ICC USA, COO of Dental Planet, General Counsel for ICC Canada, and General Counsel for Rentex Industries. He's a veteran of the United States Air Force, has a BBA in finance from the University of Texas at San Antonio, a Juris Doctor from St. Mary's University, and an MBA from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. Obviously, a very busy guy. James, welcome to the show. Thank you, Donald. Glad to be here. Okay. Yeah. James, we've got a lot to cover in a, in a short period of time, uh, so let me jump right into it, if you will, please. Um, you've been in the industry as an attorney and an executive for over 25 years now. And though the industry has changed gradually over that time, it's been undergoing some big changes recently, both legally and otherwise, uh, that are going to continue to impact the industry going forward. What are some of the most important, uh, in your mind, uh, that we're going to be seeing? Um, well, that's true. There are a lot of very important changes going on in the industry right now. Um, a number of legal issues have come up, which I talk about a lot uh, around the country when I go speak with um, ARA and AED members. Um, and surprisingly enough, some very big accounting changes um, coming up that are going to impact the legal landscape and, I think, um, the economic landscape, particularly for equipment rental companies. Um, those include, obviously, the corporate tax rate reduction, uh, the estate tax, hold, tax threshold, uh, Section 1202, qualified small business sales, um, critically, full expensing, of new and used equipment, um, the elimination of 1031 exchanges, interest deduction limits, and, and, and many others. Um, so l let me discuss a few of the more impactful ones, um, and I'll get to a couple that I think are going to drive a great deal of business into the rental industry in, for many years to come. Um, so first, as everyone knows, the corporate income tax rate has been reduced from 35% to 21%. Um, of course, this only applies to C corporations, not S corporations. Uh, but for C corporations, the impact is going to be uh, the indirect effect should also be considerable as the reduction enables them to plug more money into growth and, importantly for us, equipment. Uh, the top individual tax rate has also been reduced from 39.6% to 37%, and the tax rates have also been reorganized. Uh, these changes have, of course, already been reflected in the economy to some degree, uh, a, a large degree, some would argue, um, with unemployment currently at 3.7%, a 49-year low, a current GDP growth rate of 3.5%, uh, and that following a booming GDP growth rate of 4.2% in the prior quarter. Um, so, so big movement economically in the U.S., driven largely by um, the new tax act. Uh, a new Section 199A allows for deduction of pass by pass-through entities like S-Corps and LLCs, which, which constitute most of the, uh, the equipment rental industry, uh, which enables them to deduct 20% of their qualified business income subject to certain limitations. Then also, 
um, a number of other um, sort of peripheral changes, net operation, aiding loss, carry deductions and limitations, or limitations on those deductions, um, excess business loss limitations, 1031 exchange elimination, which I talked about before, which 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 impacts in a big way both rental operators and dealers. Sorry? Go ahead. Um, Keep going. Ex- Two minutes till break. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, full expensing of new and used asset purchases. That's a really big deal. Um, as a counterbalance to losing 1031 exchanges, you can now buy new and used expense or equipment and expense it fully um, and then doubling of the estate tax exemption to $22.4 million. So for those um, selling off their businesses and retiring, those two last changes are going to be huge. Again, full expensing um, on the sales side, so buyers can buy your equipment now and expense it fully, big tax write-off, and doubling of your own estate tax exemption if you're selling off and retiring, that's a, that's a, that's a big number for you. Um, but that's far from the end of the story. Um, in fact, there are two changes coming up that I think are going to drive business um, into the rental industry. Um, so we'll talk about that more when we come back because I think the impact on rental companies is going to be dramatic. Okay. Uh, all right. So, James, let's take a, an early break here. We'll come back and we'll continue with the counting and, and legal changes. And I'm pushing it back to Voice America. Thank you. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high-efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, visit GenieLift.com. That's GenieLift.com. This is Rental Equip Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back uh, talking with James Waite uh, this morning. Uh, he is, uh, in my opinion, one of the top equipment industry attorneys in the country. Uh, James, we were just talking about some accounting changes and about to discuss some legal changes, so I'll put it back to you. Okay, thank you. Um, all right, where we were headed was uh, moving to two of what I think are going to be critical um, uh, tax and accounting changes going forward that are going to drive equipment, um, uh, short-term equipment rentals far into the future. 
The first is a change to generally accepted accounting principles, or GAAP, um, and that is leases of more than a year will have to now be reflected on a company's balance sheet. That means that companies who used to f- use finance leases in order to get assets off their balance sheets and, of course, make reporting metrics like return on assets look better will now have to show those assets on their books. That takes a major element of value off the table for finance lessees, um, which should compel many to consider short-term leases, that is, under 12 months, which do not have to be reflected on their balance sheets, even under the new rules going forward. The result is this. That should push more business into the short-term rental market where rental expense can still be 100% deducted as a top-line expense and not shown on a company's books as a depreciable asset. That change becomes effective for public companies on December 15th of this year and for all other organizations on December 15th of 2019. Secondly, as I touched on just a moment ago, long-term or finance leases, uh, those of a year or more, are accounted for like loans. That means that the interest a lessee pays has historically been deductible as interest expense. However, with this new change in the Internal Revenue Code, and that's Section 163J, there will now be limitations on deducting the interest companies pay on those long-term finance leases, subject to a few exceptions, of course. The limitation will now be 30% of their taxable income. Um, The remainder of the deduction can be carried forward indefinitely, but for now, it will be critically limited to 30% of their taxable income. That's going to take a great deal of the value out of buying and financing equipment via finance lease. Um, Now, that limitation doesn't apply to companies that have gross receipts of less than $25 million um, for the immediately preceding three years. But that still leaves many or perhaps most large construction contractors subject to this rule. They're going to have a critical limitation on the interest they can deduct every year. So what are they going to do? How are they going to respond to this? My guess is they will switch to short-term rentals. That, again, can simply uh, be be 100% deducted off of their top line. So... So when you add the rental expense issue to the, to the requirement that long-term leases be reflected on a company's financials now on its balance sheet, um, the net result should be a one-two punch, um, and that is driving former equipment buyers into the rental market. So those are the big tax issues that I see coming up, and what I see the, the ultimate effect being uh, uh, is very, very positive for the equipment rental industry. Um, okay, let's and I'm sure the people legal. in the industry have the challenge of educating their customers about all these changes too. <laughs> uh, yes, they will, um, and, 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 and that will be a um, that'll be sort of a an increasing. Um, tied over time. I think December 15th of this year will sort of be the watershed event, um, and then the recognition will grow um, through 2019, and I think you'll see a steady uptick through 2019 and into the following years, and I also suspect that the um, the forecast for rental industry growth that everybody is, is, is so fond of reading, uh, like myself, um, may be vastly understated. I suspect that this is going to push a lot more business into the short-term rental market than we had anticipated because most of the people I talked to have not yet acquainted themselves with these changes. Yeah. And how do you think that will affect the equipment dealers who typically uh, sell and rent? I think they're going to have to push into the rental market in some capacity, um, and that may be direct rental operations, uh, which historically they've been, some have been good at, some have been not as good at because they've, they've been so successful at selling equipment in the past. Um, I think now developing the rental channel is going to be an imperative for them um, and, and for some for their survival. Um, but things like um, um, staffing and software and repair facilities and maintenance and equipment following out in the field. Those are things that I think 
um, may drive dealers into looking at rental company operations either as partners or as buyout targets. Good point. Very good point. <laughs> so are there um, more accounting changes or should we talk about legal changes? Well, those are the big accounting issues for now, um, um, and I, that's, a, that, that's a mouthful. Um, so I, I'm always happy to talk more about, about uh, legal and accounting changes, but, uh, but just getting arms wrapped around those big ones, um, I think we're, we're, we'll, we'll suffice for now. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize all this is taking place, and so I appreciate you bringing this uh, most important information to the show. Uh, my pleasure. Um, so what about the okay, legal side? So, uh, right. So what about the legal side? Yeah, there, there, there's been much, there's been a great deal of movement um, on the legal side, both regulatorily and um, within the litigation sphere. So let me co- cover a couple of the big ones. Um, everybody knows about uh, the new OSHA ANSI standards for lifts. Um, um, the simple things, uh, the acronym AWPs has now been changed to MUPS, Mobile Elevating Work Platforms. Um, there are now new training and familiarization requirements under ANSI 92.22 for safe use and 92.24 for training. ANSI 92.5 and 92.6 became 92.20 for design standards. Um, new requirements, things like load sensing, most machines now have to actively monitor that, new wind force requirements, stability testing, entry gate and tow board requirements, new requirements for folding instead of fixed rails, lots of changes in the AWP arena, many of which um, um, have been recognized by dealers and rental operators, uh, but, but have not yet been fully um, uh, integrated into the operations of, of contractors. That makes one of the critical issues for sellers and renters warning their customers of the need to comply with these new standards. Uh, and if possible, getting that warning in writing, because as everyone knows, after an accident, nobody knows anything and nobody's admitting to anything. So get that acknowledgement up front, and that usually involves, for rental operators, usually involves using an AWP or a MUP addendum, um, getting the customer to sign off, acknowledging things like the receipt and review of the manual responsibilities, um, familiarization, training, instructions, um, um, and an agreement to comply with all the new applicable standards and indemnify the rental operator or the seller. Um, all of those, those, those new legal requirements have been um, 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 sort of morphing over the last several years with the changes in standards. And so many of the old issues that were dealt with in old contracts are, are largely obsolete now. Um, so time for an update for most people out there um, selling or leasing um, aerial equipment. Also, okay, what happens to, the, exist, people, what happens to the existing equipment that doesn't have all these uh, manufactured upgrades to it? Are they still allowed to put that equipment on the on a job site? Yeah, in most cases, yes. We're hearing of some local restrictions that uh, that are that are requiring replacement, um, um, uh, but for the most part, everything's grandfathered in, and so so people don't have to rush out and replace their fleets um, now. That, that actually raises another issue. Um, many of those grandfathering issues come up in, in lots of different regulatory capacities, and I'm thinking of Tier 4, um, where same thing. And new Tier 4 is, is, out, is being sold all over the country now. There were no prior tiers available new. Uh, but that doesn't mean everyone has to dispose of their old fleets unless they're in certain non-attainment areas. Um, California being rife with those. Um, so if you're in a if you're in a non-attainment area or some specialized local use area, you may not be able to use um, older equipment. But for the, the large large portion of the rest of the country, um, tier three, tier two is still usable. Okay. Um, Okay, so other new issues, um, uh, obviously new OSHA silica dust rules. The big issue there, again, is warning your customers of the change because the permissible exposure limits have been reduced to 20% of what they were 
previously. As well, that's a big change for those using equipment uh, which generates silica dust, which most of it does. They need to be wearing masks. You need to have stickers on your equipment, and you need to be warning your customers that this piece of equipment may throw off silica dust because you can be sued not only by the customer who uses it, but by anybody who uses it underneath that customer. And I'm thinking of contractors, employees, people who might borrow the equipment or have the equipment loaned to them, and even their family members and bystanders can sue for for what becomes silicosis or lung cancer. Um, so again, the critical issue is to warn people properly um, and make sure they acknowledge receiving the warnings, and that includes everybody from your customer, your users all the way down the chain. New stocking laws for telematics, that's a big one. A case came up in Oklahoma um, that sort of started this ball rolling. If you put telematics on your equipment, there are, there are laws that nobody anticipated would apply to telematics to begin with but are now saying you cannot put telematics on your equipment without the customer's written consent. Put that in your contract if you're running equipment with telematics on it. Um, and there's several other laws and lawsuits that we can talk about um, um, momentarily when we, when we have an opportunity to uh, delve further into this topic. Mm-hmm. And, and theft of services, let's hit that before we, we go to a break. Uh, absolutely. Um, so theft of services has become a, a big issue, and and uh, and um, uh, companies around the country have, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, state legislatures around the country have begun adopting theft of services laws. Theft of services differs from ordinary theft in that theft of services isn't just taking the equipment and not bringing it back. It's defined as a crime of knowingly securing the performance of a service, including a rental, which is available only for compensation by force, deception, threat, or other means to avoid payment. Um, That means that a rental company that gets equipment back or a dealer that gets equipment back without payment can now make a claim under the laws of several states um, that a theft has occurred. So a criminal violation, not just a civil violation that you have to sue for, you can actually, under a criminal law, go to the police, get your equipment back, and have the police help you collect the unpaid rent. Okay, well, let's, let's pick that up when we come back from the, from the break, if we could, because that's an important subject. Uh, back to you, Voice America. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high-efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. 
Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC boom lifts, visit genielift.com. That's genielift.com. This is Rental Equipped Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequipedtalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequipedtalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And we're back with James Waite, one of the top equipment industry attorneys in the country. And James, we were just talking about theft of services. I'll let you keep rolling with that for a moment. Sure. Okay. Um, all right. So the, the critical issue on theft of services is this. If you want to be able to recover from your customer, there are, in broad strokes, there are two ways to do it. One is to sue them. That's a civil claim. Um, the other is to seek a criminal remedy. That is notify the police and have the person um, charged with a crime. Um, a number of states around the country have begun enacting laws like that, um, to list out a few, Alabama, Connecticut, Maryland, Ohio, Texas, Virginia, and just within the last two years, Illinois, Idaho, and Iowa, with a number of other states um, um, already having useful theft of services laws in the past, Arkansas, Georgia, Montana, New Hampshire, N- New Jersey, and others. Those laws are hugely helpful to rental companies and dealers because they don't require you to spend any money on a lawyer or sue anybody. Notify the police, and at least in more rural areas, you can you you may have success getting the police to cooperate with you. If you don't have a provision in your contract that makes non-payment a crime or notifies the customer that it might be a crime, the police are unlikely to help you. So make sure that if you rent to someone, you have a theft and theft of services law reference in your contract. Otherwise, the police will be of no help to you in almost any case. Um, As a corollary to that, there is a loss of use concept that's come up in several states, Colorado, New Jersey, Wisconsin, Texas, and California, that has been critically important in the recent past to rental companies. That is, if your equipment comes back late or damaged and there is a repair or replacement period, recovering for the downtime or that loss of use can be a big number. In the past, most courts said you can recover only the lost profits that you can prove, which was too big an issue for most dealers and rental companies, so they didn't bother pursuing it at all. But a few years ago in Colorado, a customer was sued after hitting a deer with a rental car for $228 in loss of use charges. She refused to pay it. The rental company sued, and she lost, and that went to the Colorado Supreme Court. Since then, and, and by the way, in that case, she was also ordered to pay attorney's fees of, believe it or not, $247,890 and court costs of 11120 That, again, on a $228 lost rental claim. The upshot here is that courts around the country are now starting to adopt this loss of use concept, and the big courts where other courts tend to look for precedent, including New Jersey, Wisconsin, Texas, and California, have begun to follow suit. So you can expect this concept to start spreading across the country, and probably I would expect to see more litigation in this arena and more recoveries, again, a positive for rental companies. Absolutely. (laughs) James, let's let's move on. You, You publish a monthly article in the Rental Management Magazine entitled Legally Speaking. Uh, and in this month's edition, your article addressed predatory contracts. Tell us a little bit about what prompted you to research that particular topic and how it impacts the equipment industry. Well, when I was general counsel back at Rentex, um, we used to see hordes of different uh, um, vendors um, and service providers uh, come through the office, and, and, and many of them had very valuable products and services to offer. But once you read their contracts, you saw that there were uh, they contained provisions that, that frankly, no sane person would agree to. Um, that seemed to that seemed to level off and, and dissipate for a long time. But in the last few years, I've begun seeing more and more contracts with 
with what I would term predatory provisions come through my office. I'm getting more calls from clients throughout the country about contracts in tiny print that they've signed that contain provisions that come as a shock to them after the fact because they're so onerous and they're so obviously unfair to rental operators. To give you one example, I got a call from a client a couple of months ago who had leased a piece of equipment, about a $60,000 piece of equipment, on one of those long-term finance leases we were talking about um, with a dollar buyout. The dollar buyout came up, and the customer thought, okay, I'll send my dollar in, and I'll own the piece of equipment. Well, much to the customer's surprise, what actually happened was the customer sent in his $1, and the leasing company said, sorry, your contract contains a provision that required you you to give us 60 days advance written notice delivered by registered or certified mail that you were going to buy this out, and if you didn't, the rental would automatically, or the lease would automatically renew for another three years. Oh, the upshot was the customer challenged it legally and lost. Um, so depending on the courts you're in, it, even though provisions like that sound completely crazy, in fact, there are courts around the country, depending on the jurisdiction, who may feel compelled to uphold those kind of provisions. And that's not the only industry I see this in. Um, I've been just recently reviewing uniform contracts, cleaning service contracts, credit card machines, payroll services, phone system leases, um, and as I said, that equipment financing. These are big numbers. And so the price of not having somebody review one of those contracts who knows what they're looking at and, and knows the trigger points and what to look for and what can really get you in trouble can be in that in that poor client's case, that cost him an extra $72,000. And there was no way for the client to get out of it. Um, so the best advice I can give about predatory contracts is stop, read them carefully, and if you have any questions, call a lawyer because some of these things, and some of these things look so innocuous and so, so benign and harmless, you'd never expect that when you sign up for something like a uniform contract or a cleaning service contract, that that contract could contain a provision that extends it if you don't timely cancel it for another two, three, five years, and you wind up paying an extra thirty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars. So be careful with these. Um, and if you see automatic renewal prices and terms, it sounds like it's going to be more important to know the terms than the price. <laughs> <laughs> in, in some cases, sadly, it is. There's, there are a couple of things that you can do, uh, a couple of obvious signs up front, tactics to look out for. I mean, if you see a contract with big, bold print on the front, maybe half a page long, uh, that shows just basic terms, amount financed, uh, maybe the monthly charge, the names and addresses of the parties, and then lots of tiny legal print down below and maybe on a page or two following, watch out. Those, that kind of tactic we see used a lot, and it's the kind of thing that prompts people to not read carefully and invites them to just look at the obvious terms, get a certain level of ill-advised comfort, and go ahead and sign a contract. Be careful. These these guys are out there, and we're seeing more and more of it recently. And then if you if you attempt to redline it, then it throws the whole deal in, into a, a turmoil, doesn't it? <laughs> Sometimes they say that. I have heard over and over again um, in 25 years of doing this um, that we never change our contract, and if you change it, the price will rise or we just won't do business with you. I have almost never encountered a situation where that was actually true. Um, people will say that in order to get a deal done and move on to the next one, and if you're not ready for them and you're not ready to protect yourself, they'll get you to sign. And, and many times the people who are presenting that contract to you don't themselves know what those terms mean. Yeah, I've, I've been through that with some bankers before who wanted me to sign papers, and I asked them if they ever read the contract, and when I pointed out certain issues to it, they said I wouldn't sign it either. <laughs> oh, well, you know... <laughs> Maybe the most shocking one I saw or I heard about recently was a contract switch. Um, I got a call from a client who said, I signed a contract that bore no resemblance once I read it 
to the contract that I negotiated with my salesperson, the contract was actually switched in the last draft. I didn't bother to reread it. I signed it, and now I'm stuck with it. And that was true. The, the, the contract, the customer was actually stuck with that contract. And, and, then, and there's not much you can do about it once it's in black and white and you've signed it. <laughs> not much at all. Oh, um, uh, and one, one additional point about those contracts, many of them include personal guarantee language that say this, this, the obligations on this contract cut through your company's limited liability shield and obligate you individually and therefore your personal assets. Um, most, most operators... Uh, uh, um, most operators assume that they have to sign those contracts just as a as a prerequisite to getting any goods or services, and that's not true. Um, um, in some cases, it will be a, a vendor will not do business with you without a personal guarantee, but it, but it, but it's far more rare than people think. So contest it. Draw a line through that personal guarantee language and sign only on behalf of your company and see what happens. Most vendors that I come across will waive off on that personal guarantee. I see. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's jump into the next subject, and it's going to go into the next segment, too. But uh, we'll get started on this one. But on the subject of threats to the equipment dealers and rental operators, as an attorney with long experience in the industry, what do you see as the major threats, legally speaking, uh, to the equipment lessors, and, and how would you advise dealing with them? And I know we'll only take uh, a piece of this, and then we'll jump into the last segment. Sure. Well, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a great tie-over from what we were just talking about, because beyond predatory contracts, there are the predatory lawsuits that come off of those contracts and other issues related to the rental industry. And, and the ones that jump to my mind immediately are damage waivers. Um, and, a, and a new one that's cropped up, which is lawsuits relating to refueling charges. Um, so I'll be prepared to talk about both when we come back. Okay. Well, and there's, you know, there's so many different things to talk about. I, I wish we had more than an hour today to, uh, uh, discuss them. Uh, but again, we're visiting with James Waite, uh, top equipment industry attorney in the United States. And, uh, that let's take a quick break and we'll come back to the final segment. Back to you, Voice America. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to GenieLift.com to find out more. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high-efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit GenieLift.com. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, visit GenieLift.com. That's GenieLift.com. 
This is Rental Equip Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. That's rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. And again, we're visiting with James Wade, top equipment industry attorney in the United States. James, before we go into the last segment, I want to make sure that uh, our listeners know how to get in touch with you. So I don't know if you want to give them email, phone numbers, uh, websites, whatever, but I want to make sure that you get that covered before we keep going. Sure. Um, um, so you can reach me on my 800 number. It's uh, The number is 866-582-2586. Again, 866-582-2586. Um, my practice is out of Denver, Colorado, uh, but I am tied up with rental, uh, with uh, industry attorneys throughout the 50 states in Canada and Puerto Rico. Um, so we, we basically have boots on the ground type coverage, um, throughout the U.S., um, uh, Canada, Puerto Rico, and of course Alaska and Hawaii. Um, so, so feel free to contact us if we can help on any of these issues. And is there a, is there a website that people can go to also, James? Uh, there is the 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 um, uh, my law firm website is uh, jameswaitlaw.com, com, um, uh, and my rental contracts website is equipmentrentalcontracts with an s dot com. Either of those okay, well, uh, through either of those, you can schedule an appointment with me. Okay, obviously this is valuable information, and I hope uh, the listeners will give you a call. Let's continue on uh, with the major threats that we just started to talk about uh, from the legal side about uh, the equipment industry and what's facing them. Sure. Um, so as I touched on before, products liability and, the, and the, particularly the failure to warn issue is probably the single most critical threat for um, equipment rental operators and dealers. Products liability, as many people know, runs all the way up to the, the chain of distribution to the manufacturer and designer, and that includes dealers and rental companies and brokers and intermediaries and everyone in between. So, and what happens is they all wind up being held jointly and severally liable for those claims, meaning that if everyone else is bankrupt and the rental company or the dealer is the last person in the chain, they get 100% of the liability. Um, failure to warn, and that means for things like potential hazards associated with using uh, lifts um, or silica dust coming off a piece of equipment um, or injuries associated with the use of a piece of equipment all can result in loss, products liability lawsuits against dealers and rental companies. So things to look out for and things to warn customers against are the potential injuries and damages associated with misusing or abusing equipment, um, again, throwing off silica dust, uh, etc. So so get stickers on your equipment and get provisions into your contracts that protect you from things like that and warn your customers, and you can cut off the vast majority of that potential liability. Um, separately, a couple of things I mentioned in the previous segment, um, these, these predatory lawsuits that have come up. Uh, damage waiver lawsuits continue to be uh, a major hamstring for the, uh, for the, uh, the rental industry. Uh, pretty much everybody remembers the old Hertz case from 2006. Uh, in that case, 746,000-plus uh, class action plaintiffs sued Hertz seeking tens of millions of dollars in damages for unfairly, they said, charging for and administering its damage waiver. Um, whether or not you believe the allegations were true, uh, that case was ultimately settled for tens of millions of dollars was the word on the street. Um, but the allegations in that case ran to things like failure to properly disclose damage waiver, failure to make it optional if the customer provided insurance, um, failure to disclose the charges themselves, um, failure to properly notify the customer of uh, the the exclusions and limitations of the damage waiver provision. So, so those things must be built into a contract um, and done so properly in order to properly um, protect rental operators. Um, I was just looking recently 
at an advertisement from what appears to be a group of lawyers along the eastern seaboard who set up an entire law firm uh, with three locations just to pursue damage waiver claims, believe it or not. Um, this, this advertisement invites people to investigate damage waiver claims saying they are often charged and these, and these fees uh, were charged exorbitantly and unfairly and rarely do they, and this, this is a quote, rarely do these fees provide any benefit to the renter. They are there to boost the cost of the rental. Um, so if you or a loved one um, has rented any kind of um, equipment and been charged to damage wherever you may be entitled to compensation. So these lawsuits are actively being solicited, and that's, that is a, the, with that Hertz case as a jumping off point, many of these opportunistic plaintiff's lawyers have decided this is the way to make money, and with so much money flowing into the rental industry, the rental companies themselves and dealers are becoming a bigger and bigger target. So if you're selling damage waiver, do a couple of things. Make sure it's properly disclosed as a separate line item. Make sure it's made optional. Uh, make sure the exclusions and limitations are very specifically set out in your damage waiver provision, and ideally use a separate damage waiver guide because doing that sets you up to defend yourself against one of these lawsuits by saying we clearly and properly disclosed every nuance, every portion of this damage waiver. There is no way to claim against us that somehow we unfairly charged a damage waiver that wasn't properly disclosed to a customer. Now, separately, and James, are some um, of these things laid out in the rental contracts manual that you uh, that you did for the ARA? Yes, they are. Um, the um, the uh, that that book's now ten, twelve years old, um, and so some of the issues associated with damage waivers themselves have changed. Um, I'm thinking of things like uh, limitations on coverage. New issues that have come up since the book was written would include things like big batteries and forklifts that people don't want to cover because they're quite expensive. Um, uh, tracks on equipment, um, some new types of wheels, uh, telematic systems weren't, weren't, weren't installed at all back in the day, so uh, back when that book was written, so excluding those kinds of things. And then also building in a cap on the coverage has proven successful for me in the, in the, in the most recent few years. Um, I've started writing in a cap on coverage beyond which we have the right to go back and pursue recovery against the customer. And that's actually worked for us in several states. So it seems like you really um, have to put a lot of your protections in the fine print, unfortunately, in your rental agreement. That's very true. And one of the problems, obviously, becomes if pretty much everybody in the industry wants to use a single 8.5 by 11 form. Um, so as you might guess, the print tends to get smaller and smaller and smaller as more issues come up. <laughs> um, so re refining those terms and getting them all in there, like the changes to the, the um, uh, aerial lift uh, requirements, um, have now become a real trick. So we're, we're starting to pull some of these issues out where they, we see that they, they tend to generate large lawsuits and push them into addenda that help not only properly disclose it, but get enough language in there to adequately protect the rental company or the dealer, as it were. James, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have today, and I really want to thank you for being my guest and hope you'll come back and join me again because it seems like there's so much more to talk about uh, in, this, in this industry. I uh, want to thank everyone for the emails. Keep them coming. Uh, remember, you can always listen on demand, and especially with this subject matter today, it would be a real important one. Uh, so I hope some of the answers either helped or provoke some more questions or, or gave you some valuable information. Uh, my quote, quote for the day is from Jack Welch, the former CEO of GE. It says, effective people know when to stop assessing and make a tough call, even without total information. Little is worse than a manager who can't cut bait. So if you'd like to be a guest, suggest a guest, advertise, or have a question, or even a great story to tell, Contact me at Rental Equip Talk Radio at Gmail. Uh, till next week, thanks for spending so many valuable time with me today. Be safe and good renting. Thank you for tuning in to Rental Equip Talk Radio. Be sure to join your host, Donald Charbonnet, next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Until we speak again, have a great week. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website at genielift.com. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for extra capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, visit genielift.com. That's genielift.com.